We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host Andrew Mertig. It is Victory Friday. We are excited to be here for another Friday edition of the show. What's going on, Andrew? Yeah, we it's it's fun. I'm 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 doing well, and we we always get to do the game breakdowns when the Packers play on Thursday nights, and it has been a really long time since we've we've actually gotten to do that. I know last year we got into a little bit of routine because all of the preseason games were on Thursday, and then the Packers opened on Thursday, and so it feels like it's been a long time that 
it's since we've gotten to talk about a game that we just saw instead of previewing the next one. So uh, it'll be a fun change of pace, and, and certainly tonight was a fun get-right game after Sunday's frustrating affair. I personally got destroyed on Twitter for daring to be positive um, you know, oh, and pointing you. out some negativity on Packers Twitter, but the team is 6-2 and two now. It's looking good. They got the Jaguars. They got 10 days off to get healthy and hopefully not have any new COVID cases. So um, those things are all really positive, but let's let's talk about tonight's game. Yeah, as you mentioned, there was some drama to this game before the kickoff. Uh, Packers with the positive COVID test with A.J. Dillon, and then being without Kamal Martin and Jamal Williams as close contacts with Dillon. But then, of course, uh, the 49ers had their issues as well. Uh, while the Packers were without running backs, the 49ers were seriously without wide receivers. So uh, this team that was already down uh, Jimmy G., and George Kill lost Brandon Ayuk, and Trent Williams as close contacts to Kendrick Bourne, who showed up on the COVID list. So, uh, be it injury or COVID, this was a very different team than the Packers faced last year in the NFC Championship game. There were questions as to whether or not this game should have been played. Uh, there were questions about whether or not the 49ers tests were false positives and all kinds of other fun stuff. But the Packers did make this trip out to California, and the NFL played the game. And we are here tonight, late, 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 to talk about all that went on and went into this dominant Packers victory. The Packers did defeat the San Francisco 49ers 34-17 to in dominant fashion after the 49ers did add a couple of garbage time touchdowns late in the game. But Andrew... Great game for the Packers to get back on track. Uh, let's let's just kick this off with uh, uh, some thoughts on the offense here. Yeah, first of all, I mean, I think early in the game it was apparent Aaron Jones is really good. I, I can't prove that the offensive line blocks better when Jones is in the game, but, man, it does kind of seem like it. And in, in seriousness, there is an ability of elite running backs to set up their blockers, and, and that's really what sets them apart. For instance, you watch Jones burst through a hole, and then he sets up the second-level blocker. He ends up getting, like, 12 yards. And then you see Dexter Williams burst through a hole and get a little bit over-aggressive and not patient enough, and, and you see the same type of blocking setup turn into maybe a six-yard gain. So that's not a knock on Dexter by any means. It's just something about Aaron Jones that I, I – can't really praise enough. His vision, his anticipation, those are both phenomenal, and they really set him apart as an elite running back in the NFL. And then, you know, Devontae Adams continues to be just ridiculous. I, I run out of nice things to say. You know, you have the touchdown pass and the opening drive, which it's just something very, very few humans on the planet can do. You have that fourth down conversion in the second quarter, which probably gets forgotten in the blow, but that was an important play. He's basically getting dragged down to the ground by the 49ers defender, and so that's not only a key play in the game, but, you know, just a silly highlight play. Uh, the sideline catch on the stutter and go, that's just a thing of beauty. Rodgers puts it out there, and, and he just snags it perfectly in stride off of his fingertips. Devontae obviously is able to do work against some of the best corners in the NFL. And and the 49ers just weren't bringing anybody of 
tonight. So a lot of special stuff there. Yeah, I know that he's not someone that we would normally put in a dominant tier, uh, but Jason Verrett was someone that was on the field against Adams in a couple of those matchups. And Verrett, I believe, I have to double-check this for sure, but I believe entering the game he was the third-highest-graded corner for PFF. And obviously, you know, you can take that or leave it, you know, but it's someone who's put some good product on the field is Jason Verrett. And Adams just simply made him look silly a few times. We continue to be spoiled by Devontae Adams week in and week out. And I know because it's so familiar to us at this point, we just do take it for granted to an extent that is unhealthy. So uh, enjoy it, Packers fans. Realize that you are, as Andrew said, maybe watching the best wide receiver in the NFL. And that's really interesting. I didn't know that because we weren't previewing this game. I didn't necessarily take a, a real careful look at the 49ers defense. And, and honestly, it's it's hard to look at grades for the 49ers team and assess them since half their team is gone. Um, but yeah, Jason Verrett was an elite cornerback three years ago when he was on the Chargers. And then obviously injuries really derailed his career. And so, it, it, you know, that's interesting that he is back. And um, so maybe I was underestimating, you know, his his abilities against Devontae Adams. But it doesn't matter because Devontae Adams does this to every corner he faces. Uh, and he is just, he's he's entering a ridiculous phase. Ridiculous. So um, one other thing that I want to talk about, um, offensive line. So, you know, I thought early on Rick Wagner, Lucas Patrick on the right side, you have Billy Turner at left tackle. I just can't quite say enough about the job those three guys are doing as players who are basically just supposed to be depth on this team. They opened up holes in the run game. They gave Rodgers plenty of time to throw. I know this is a depleted 49ers defense, but they did their job. You can only block the people that line up against you, and you can't be knocked when you do a good job, regardless of who they are, because they're all NFL players. Rick Wagner did exit with a knee injury and never returned. John Running stepped in at left guard. Jenkins slid over to left tackle. Billy Turner to right tackle. And you barely even noticed a difference. I mean, that's that's saying a lot. And the 49ers still have some players up front, right? Um, you know, I know this team is decimated with injuries, but they still have some pretty good guys, you know, Javon Kinlaw, et cetera. Um, and, and the Packers did a relatively good job, other than Fred Warner was absolutely all over the field. Um, one other player, special shout-out, Tyler Irvin as a receiver. What a really nice addition and way to step up in this game. He, you know, primarily so far this season been utilized as a decoy on a lot of jet sweep and orbital motions. So it was nice to see him get involved in the passing game, even if he was struggling a little bit as a runner. Um, had some really nice catches, some really nice plays there, and, and was a big contributor on the offense. And then I want to talk about, uh, about MVS. So I have some first half notes, um, sort of before the long touchdown pass. You know, it, you have that drop pass on third down, and it was just so typical of what we've seen from MVS. Aaron Rodgers looks at him like he is so annoyed, and and this just happens too frequently. There was another another play kind of ran. He he was in the wrong spot would would be my impression based on the body language from Rodgers. He he ran his route a little too deep, and you know there's always that annoyance. There seems to be a lack of chemistry there. And after all this time, I thought that was really telling. And then things just flip on their head, right? You have the bomb before halftime, which. You know, this is why no matter how much MBS struggles with his hands, no matter how much MBS struggles with his route running and the chemistry with Rodgers, he's going to have a career in the NFL because he can do that. He can he can run down the seam and make you 
any defensive back that's flat-footed against MBS, you're going to get burned. Um, and then he makes a nice catch there. Um, Troy and Joe were talking about the confidence with MBS, and, and that's certainly true, and I'm sure that is a factor, but... For me, it's a lot of focus drops and, and routes that just aren't crisp. And those are those are mental parts of the game that I think really is what stands between MBS being this up and down guy and a really consistent player that you can rely on as a, a you know number two or three receiver. It would make all of the difference in the world if MVS steps up the rest of the way. Like, he has the ability to make maybe not a Will Fuller-like impact, but a really important contribution to this team. I have doubts that the consistency is going to be there, because every time I've I've ever given MVS a chance, he's let me down. So I'm not going to get my hopes up and hope that he proves me wrong. Like Tyler Fackrell. You said to sneak in. That was fine without the Kyler Packer reference, and then you just like, I had to slip it in there. Um, but, of course, I tweeted. I tweeted, that should do it for MVS. Like, after the drop, I was just like, we've seen this dozens of times, right? Like, that's it. Like, no more get other guys the ball. Like, Shepard did some nice things, you know. Replace that. But then he goes crazy, and, and I'm with you that I have my doubts that this is sustainable, but he'll continue to get the opportunities because his speed keeps teams honest. He's a threat that has to be accounted for, even if you're not sure that you trust the hands at the catch point. Um, you can't just be like, well, he might not catch it, so we don't have to cover him deep. Like you can't, as a defense, you have to cover that guy um, in the same ways that you would a player that you're more sure has more reliable hands. But um, maybe with no addition at receiver at the deadline, maybe we'll see Rodgers commit to MBS a little bit more because he knows that he needs that kind of player and that best version of him on the football field. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that you know takes shapes over the weeks to come because it would make a huge difference, as you said. But uh, great night for MBS, you know, made me eat my words there. But um, let's talk about the defense a little bit. What did you see on the on the defensive side of things, Andrew? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit and Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Yeah, I you know, I, I think one thing that when when you criticize a player and then you, you criticize a player, and we're, I think we're always really fair about only doing that when, like, their play has has maybe um, you know led up to that criticism. I think you need to praise that player when they when they come back and and make a really big impact. Yeah. And Preston Smith was certainly that guy tonight. So much 
has been made of the way Mike Patton uses Preston Smith. And I think most of that is really overstated. This whole, like, was Preston Smith a cornerback? Like, <laughs> yes, he drops into coverage. He's actually dropping into coverage at the same rate he did last year. The difference was Preston Smith was making a much bigger impact moving forward towards the quarterback in his pass rushing opportunities. And so far this year, that hasn't been there. There have been some major struggles on the field, and and I think those things are fair to talk about and address. Do I think Preston Smith has suddenly become a terrible player overnight? No. I think maybe there's something wrong. Maybe he's just in a slump. These kind of things happen. Well, him and Zadarius certainly took advantage of Trent Williams being out of the game. Uh, Justin School was getting taken to school by the Smiths <laughs> the entire game, uh, and so that made a really big impact, but... You know what? I don't care who you're going up against. Making an impact, pressuring the quarterback, especially when you're not getting a lot of help from blitzes, and the opposing team knows that, is a really big deal. I left you alone with the script and didn't check anything, and you slipped that joke in there, and I should have known that was coming. (laughs) Nice work there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Preston almost gets that INT on the tip pass there, and I've said before that Preston has the same number of career sacks as Adrian Amos, right? He's Hicks. basically a ball hawk, Hicks. and obviously... You, you, you said you said sacks. Did I say sacks? Yeah, not, it's, not it's okay. You made interceptions, oh, okay. but it's fine. Right, right. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, he's basically a ball hawk out there is what I'm saying. And that's why we see him in coverage, right? Like, I mean, he's, they're trying to put him in position to make plays on the football. No, but in all seriousness, great to see him have a great game tonight. He needed that, absolutely. Um, what did you, I want to ask you this. What did you think of Rashawn Gary's night, Andrew? Because he popped on the screen for me a couple different times, um, making some nice effort plays that, you know, along with getting some push in the pass rush, getting into the backfield, um, although he was, Nicely juked out of one tackle that he could have made back there, kind of Clay Matthews style. But um, I, I'm curious what you thought of the game that uh, Rashawn Gary had. I feel like you're just setting the ball on the tee for me here because <laughs> I noticed exactly the same thing. Oh, okay. To me, Rashawn Gary, you know, obviously the Smiths shined on defense, but I, I thought Rashawn Gary absolutely popped tonight. He wasn't given the opportunity to go after school as much. Um, I think that was, was something the Packers were definitely looking to exploit with the Smiths. Instead, he was working a lot against the 149er offensive lineman, who I think is really good, um, in Mike McGlinchey. And Rashawn really held his own. I, I love what he's doing against the run. And to me, that's really important. He He's making a big impact in the passing game, too, Although it's not leading to a lot of sacks, but but I think I think you know his ability to press the tackle, force the running back either to to go far outside and kind of round that edge, or to have to cut it back inside when they don't want to and feed him back into you know Kenny Clark and Montrevious Adams. I think that's a really big deal. And it's interesting you say that because that was the big knock on him coming out of Michigan was. The production didn't always match up with the athleticism, but his coaches and the scouting staff, they all said, we don't value what Rashawn does simply from a stat sheet. He's a game wrecker, and he makes an impact in plays where he's not necessarily making the play. So not that that's his ceiling, not that we won't see him make that turn and start to make some of those other big plays, but interesting that that seems consistent that he's affecting the game in ways that maybe uh, don't always show up on the stat sheet and those kinds of things. But good to see a little bit of a flash from Rashawn tonight. 
Yeah, and defensive coordinators will harp all the time that people need to stop evaluating edge rushers solely on sacks, and you need to really look at pressures mm-hmm. uh, and quarterback hits and things like that. And um, that's absolutely true. Like, okay, so I know you're going to give me crap about this. I'm going to mention Kyler Fackrell again. Oh. <laughs> you know, Kyler Fackrell had that, that one year where he had all those sacks, but the, the pressures absolutely did not match up with his sack total. It was like the exception to the rule. I feel like Rashawn Gary's kind of having the opposite. I, I, I think he's making a really big impact against the quarterback, but he's not necessarily getting home and getting those sack numbers. So, you know, it's a a little bit different way to look at it, and certainly you want those sacks. You you want guys to finish that play and and get there um, more consistently because those plays end downs, right, and Mm -hmm. and oftentimes wreck drives. Uh, But at this point, he's still making a really nice impact. I, I do want to address, you know, Raymond Green had the interception, and yeah, a lot of that was just like being in the right place at the right time. Preston Smith does a, a great job of hitting Nick Mullins, the, and Mullins makes a terrible decision there. On a, a third and really long, like, why are you throwing the ball? Just take it and punt out of the situation. But he does add a dimension to this team that they desperately need. So that flexibility to hold up against the run and pass is really important. And Green, to me, seems more comfortable covering space than he has in the past. And so I've really liked that. One of the things that was a little discouraging for me was some struggles for the off-ball linebackers. Oren Burks was actually relatively solid against the run, um, but Burks and Chris Barnes were getting sucked up by the play action far too often. So that led to some big passing plays. Um, I thought Ty Summers stepped in pretty nicely after Barnes got hurt, and so that's something to monitor as well. But, you know, you and I have talked about the depth of the off-ball linebacker position, and it is nice to have a guy like Summers kind of waiting in the wings if, if you do have, you know, injuries or other things that are preventing guys from playing. Josh Jackson continues to struggle. He he had some lapses in coverage and uh, another, I was it one penalty or two? Um, I don't remember at this point, but a lot of grabbing, and I know that has been a criticism of him very frequently. You have to wonder how much continued patience the organization is going to have with Jackson if he continues to have big penalties. Um, that is a big-time problem area. And speaking of things that are negative, Jair Alexander, of course, gets injured, goes through a concussion evaluation, never returns. That is a massive deal going forward. But it is nice to have this extra long layoff in between games, and hopefully um, it's not a concussion that has um, lasting impact. And, and hopefully, you know, the Packers, being a very cautious team, um, are, are going to make sure that Jair is 100% before he comes back. Yeah, you absolutely hate the injury for Jair. Um, he's having an absolutely dominant season. And you mentioned he does have a little bit of extra time to recover before the next game, so that is a nice thing to kind of have um, in the mix here. They they do get the Jaguars next, and hopefully by then you're looking at having Kevin King back. Uh, but, I mean, Jair has been nothing short of the best player on this defense this year, absolutely the most consistent and really has just kind of locked down his side of the field. So uh, we wish him a quick recovery as a person, but we cannot understate the value of, uh, you know, Alexander to this defense. And obviously tonight they had the luxury of kind of having the game in hand and, and not being a shootout kind of a game that someone's going to keep up with the Packers. But my goodness, uh, he's an incredible piece of this defense. The Packers need to get back as soon as possible. 
But there's there is one more thing that I wanted to address with the defense, and and that is this Mike Patton criticism, which is all over the place. I mean, I, I know you know people are talking about firing a midseason and stuff, and I'm. I don't know that I have a strong opinion one way or another about Mike Pettin, but I do want to address, you know, there was a lot of criticism, especially in the first couple of drives with the two- and three-man rushes, and I get people are frustrated with the defensive game plan, and clearly what the plan was tonight was to make Nick Mullins have to fit the ball in tight windows with lots of defenders dropping in the lanes. And then he just said... I'm going to trust my pass rush to win one-on-one battles, and I'm not going to blitz. And it was successful tonight. Mullen showed that he was not capable of making the right decision, and the 49ers' offensive line could not hold up against the limited rushers. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens against better and healthier teams. But for tonight's matchup, Petten did the job. And so I think, you know, you just have to stop the criticism there. Yeah, absolutely. I think you say... We appreciate, you know, we saw an improvement over what we saw last week. And the run defense was really interesting to me tonight because on paper, and I know it's paper and I know there's a lot going on here, but the San Francisco O-line should have been better than Minnesota's. And they had the moving parts with injuries. They had a backup playing a left tackle because of the COVID exposure. But the Packers' defensive line played the run much better this week. Obviously, it's easier to commit personnel to stopping the run when the 49ers have very few offensive weapons and half of a quarterback. But still, I thought the Packers got much more push, and I thought that they seemed to play with more edge, even when the game was well in hand. You know, you sometimes see teams relaxing a little bit on defense. So good to see all of those things. And as you said, we'll see what happens in the weeks ahead. But if there was a way that this Niners team was going to be able to stay in this game, it was going to be through their running game. And so it was good to see Petten stop the bleeding a little bit coming out of a game where obviously that was the biggest issue. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if the game plan criticism is fair or not. But I do know in the NFL, oftentimes, the scheme is super important. Don't get me wrong. But oftentimes you have to rely on your players to just win the matchups that they have. And Mm -hmm. the Packers' defensive line often doesn't do a good job of taking on the responsibility, especially the defensive line, of keeping their linebackers clean and then not getting gashed by those big runs. Because that's what happens, right? Guards get to the second level or on outside runs, tackles get to the second level and they take out your linebackers or your safeties and then suddenly you're looking at the back of Delvin Cook's jersey. Yeah. And there have been just too many times when the Packers haven't done a good enough job of execution. Now, is the game plan hurting that? Probably, yes. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm not on the fire Mike Pettin bandwagon. I'm not on the Mike Pettin's the best defensive coordinator in the NFL bandwagon. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. But, I, you know, I think tonight did, did a lot to at least restoring the trust that the Packers can beat the teams that they're supposed to. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day 
every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. In a game like this, obviously, um, there were impact players. You know, there were a lot of players who showed up. There were guys who uh, made big plays in the absence of other guys who couldn't be on the field. Uh, so we wanted to give out a couple of awards tonight to uh, close up the show. So, uh, Andrew, let's uh, let's let's go a little cliche. Let's give out some MVP awards. I almost always try to pick somebody that's not the super obvious choice, but I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. It, it's Devontae Adams, right? Like, the question in the offseason was, is Devontae a top five wide receiver in the NFL? Now the question is, is Devontae the best wide receiver in the NFL? I mean, seriously, it, yeah. he's, he's that good. Aaron Rodgers did exactly what he needed to tonight, and so, like, a sort of second-level MVP for him. But, man, Devontae was so, so good. Mm-hmm. I had a couple people text me in the offseason about wide receiver and is Devontae Adams a top five wide receiver? And I had a couple people asking me, hey, is Devontae Adams a top two receiver? And as a Packers fan, I try to, like, make sure that I'm not playing favorites, right? And so I said, I think I gave Devontae Adams third or fourth. I was like, I think he's in that tier for sure, but I don't know that I can fairly say, you know, that he's the way he's playing right now, I feel like it's almost unfair for me to not say that he's playing at an elite level that puts him in that conversation as I don't know who I would rather have in the NFL right now and, and that's just the reality of it. I I despise rank like rankings sure. of players and yeah. like this GOAT conversation or whatever. But I, I, I do see tiers of players, right? Like, there's there's this top-notch group, and, and Devontae Adams is in that upper echelon of wide receivers. I always thought, you know, we, we all have our own preference for what's the best. I always thought DeAndre Hopkins was, mm-hmm. like, if not the best receiver in the NFL, because I don't like, you know, doing that. He was my favorite. And um, I, I see Devontae doing the same things DeAndre was two years ago. The difference is, um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins had, like, Tom Savage throwing him passes. <laughs> the, Devontae has Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, so yeah. it, it just makes it even better. But, yeah, I mean, his route running is just filthy. It is. It's, it's unbelievable. And as I said, like, just a treat every week to just see what he makes look so easy when you know it's next to impossible. But great pick there. Uh, MVP. I mean, that's a, I, that would have been a top choice for me as well. And I'm. You said you picked an obvious answer. I'm going to give another boring answer here. I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers. And you shouldn't be able to pick a future Hall of Fame QB as your game MVP um, because it is boring. But he should be in this game. Aaron Rodgers was great. 25 of 31, 305 yards, four TDs, pulled early. You know that could have been. They could have pressed their luck. That could have been five touchdowns. Um, absolutely dominant performance. And as much as you know that Aaron Rodgers would downplay this, I'm sure having such a clean and dominant performance in Santa Clara uh, must just feel great for Aaron after coming off of last year and all the draft history and all those kinds of things. I'm sure he would say it's not a big deal, uh, but I feel like that is a big deal. Even in a game where you know that the 49ers roster was not what it could have been, a uh, great game for Aaron Rodgers tonight. Yeah, and um 
beyond MVP, I know you and I like to talk about the the less uh, less obvious um, choices. So we wanted to give out some attaboys. Um, so you got one. Got yeah, it. yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give an attaboy. Um, I didn't want to make him my MVP because that was a little bit too bold. Um, but Tyler Irvin, like in a game where you don't have Jamal Williams, you're not sure how much you want to use Aaron Jones, even though he looked great out there, you know, like Tyler Irvin allowed the Packers to take care of Aaron Jones and not wear him down, especially in a game where in the fourth quarter you're wanting to give some carries to burn some time and those kinds of things. But he was good. Like between the tackles, he had a couple of those runs where he kind of like, you know, ran through the hole and fell down after two yards. And it's one of those things where you're like, you wish that you had the the Jamal Williams. You wish you had Aaron Jones you wanted to run through there or, you know, um, those kinds of things. But he also provided some scoot through some holes that you're like, we're not giving up a lot by having this guy on the field. And as you said, he's been a decoy for a lot of the season. And tonight I think we might have seen the door swing open a little bit for Tyler Irvin to pave the way to have a bigger role in this offense, especially coming out of a trade deadline where we did not acquire a player with speed, right? So we talked about MVS and how he can stretch the field vertically, but also saying, okay, maybe we have someone in Tyler Irvin that we can actually give the ball a little bit to more in some of those horizontal plays and those kinds of things. I didn't think any time that Tyler Irvin touched the ball tonight, he looked like a player who was filling in for someone or that you wish somebody else had the ball. And I, I think that that is a testimony to what he did tonight that helped this team through a really sticky situation in the running back room, but also as, as a receiver, he contributed greatly. So great night. Uh, add a boy to Mr. Tyler Irvin. Uh, great game for him. I have three, uh, one in each phase of the game, and I'll, I'll go through them really quickly. I, I think everybody on the offensive line deserves an attaboy, but especially I'm going to give a shout-out John Running Jr. stepping in cold. You, you didn't even, I didn't know he was in the game because I totally missed the Rick Wagner injury. You saw me ask the question on Twitter, and then like 15 people responded immediately. Um, I must have been working on the script or something, but um, John Running Jr. did a fantastic job um, on defense. A little under under the radar, Kadar Hallman um, got a lot of yeah. play tonight. I thought he was, you know, he he didn't get noticed because he was just he was in position. Um, some of it was Nick Mullins was a little bit off, and some of those you know slot throws because uh, I did notice that Shannon Sullivan got kicked out quite a bit, um, and Hallman was playing in the slot um, and and a little bit outside too. And, and I thought he stepped in and, and did a really nice job. And then the special teams, just a super big shout out to Mason Crosby. Just mm-hmm. gritting it out through this injury, he right. steps in there, hits that 52-yarder that I just I I thought that ball was going to die, um, yeah. and he he just got it over 10 for 10 on the season on field goals. Um, I believe he's perfect on extra points. Could be wrong on that too, but um, just doing a phenomenal job and and playing through an injury and such such an important part of this team um, that doesn't always get recognized. So. Great work all the way around. You, you, do you want to give us a quick injury update? Yeah, we talked about the injuries throughout the show a little bit here and there, but just to kind of recap because, you know, we lost guys here and there throughout this game, and it's going to be important to uh, get them back with a, a roster that's already dinged up. So uh, Rick Wagner was lost with a knee injury. I haven't confirmed. I was trying to figure out if it was the same one that he entered the game uh, with that concern. I'm assuming that it is. 
um, but I don't know that for sure. Uh, we talked about the Jair Alexander concussion, and that's one that we're going to want to keep an eye on for sure. And then Chris Barnes with the calf injury, Dexter Williams with that knee injury, just unbelievable luck for him. I mean, he finally gets an opportunity and then has to exit the game. So all injuries to keep an eye on uh, this week as uh, the Packers uh, get ready for, for the next game against the Jaguars. Yeah, and with 10 days off, hopefully we start to see that injury report uh, go from, like, multi-pages into something a little bit more reasonable and some players can get healthy. And hopefully uh, we're we're going to stop seeing players end up on the COVID IR list Absolutely. as well. I know when when I came on before we recorded, I made a comment to you like, "What a boring game," yeah. <laughs> and, and on some level that that is true. Um, and you know, this is a game you expect to win given what the 49ers situation is, but nothing can be taken for granted in the NFL. And I think you know this is this is an important reminder when the schedule comes out and and you mark games as wins and losses. It, it's more about when you play a team than. Um, you know, who you play. And and so this is a great example of that. I know the 49ers have been dealing with injuries pretty much the entire season, but, um, you know, this is about as bad as it can get for a team. Um, and, yeah, the Packers played them at the right time, but they came out. They had a, a dominant performance. They didn't lay an egg. Um, you know, they, they didn't let the stink of the Vikings game, the, the bad weather game, um, kind of continue over four days later. So kudos to them for doing that. Hopefully they heal up. Um, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mercy. Remember to also follow at Packer Day Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday, and we're going to be back next week to preview the Packers matchup with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.